Hello everyone. Welcome to part two of episode 13. This is the second part in a two-part episode. In the first part, we discussed living with stress and the effects it has on our mental health. This part will be dedicated to discussing with my special guest, Michelle Loveday, how parents can take care of their own mental health and that of their children during distance learning and even in other stressful times. Let's recap the first part. The major things we discussed were that everyone has some level of mental health and that we can look at our mental health the same way we look at our physical health. When we're in stressful situations, like we currently are, we are at more risk to suffer mental health injuries. If we are aware of what our level of mental health is and what is causing us mental stress, then we can find ways to lessen the stress caused and either avoid mental injury or recover from it. We discussed three major ways distance learning is causing stress that can lead to injury. They are loss of connections, which we need as humans, loss of routines, and unrealistic expectations of ourselves and or our children. So if we have these stressors, how do we strengthen our mental health and that of our children, especially when it comes to distance learning? I'd like to introduce my special guest on the show now to discuss this more. Michelle Loveday is here with me virtually and because of her background has some great insights into what we can do to strengthen both our mental health and our children's mental health during this unique period. Hey Haley, I'm so glad to be doing this with you today. This will be a lot of fun and you're doing awesome with this podcast. Thank you so much, Michelle. I'm excited to have you today. Thank you for having me. And um, could you give us maybe just a quick bio of your experience in education? Yes, certainly. So I have been in education now for 18 years. Um, I'm currently running and trying to operate a company um, called Love Day Consulting. And so it's Love Day Educational Consulting. And that just goes in, in line with what I've been doing for the last 18 years. I was a teacher um, for a majority of the time, and then I moved to administration um, for the last, oh, it's, it's been the last 11 years. And so it's, it's been a great thing to watch both ends of being in the classroom and being outside of the classroom as an administrator. Um, and I've loved it. It's been wonderful. That is so awesome and is why I had you on the podcast today because I think it puts you in a very unique um, position to really be able to answer some of these questions. I hope so. Okay, so let's talk about connection, Michelle. I know you were listening in to the beginning part of the, of the podcast. What are the biggest ways that you see as an educator that our children are missing the connection they usually get in school? And what can we do as now parent educators to kind of help them with those connections? Okay, so one of the biggest ways that I see children missing connection is through the teamwork aspect. I know a lot of times people say, oh, my children aren't in school to be, you know, socializing. Right. But in reality, that's really what we want our children to get. Being in school helps us to problem solve, working on teams, how to um, work with others, how to handle issues and problems. And so that's a lot of what the students are missing right now. Many teachers are doing Zoom meetings and they're being able to interact that way, but it's a different way of interaction. And so I think that connection that they're getting, um, 
in that aspect of teamwork and problem solving is definitely a lag during this time. But what we can do to give them those connections, a lot of the times, for example, for myself as a parent, early on in April, I made sure that I just on Saturdays drove around and we picked three friends for that day and we would drive around and honk and wave to them while they were on their um, porch and then we would just talk to them in in that way. And another friend, we... Yeah, and, and another friend, it was good because I said, okay, you have to pick a book and you're going to read to your friend as Aww. we're outside. So it just, and when I did that first Saturday in April, I could just see kind of a renewed energy come back into my girls. Um, and I, I thought, okay, I'm going to have to do that almost every weekend that I can. Um, and just drive around. You know, we visited church friends and we visited school friends and just made sure that they were home and, and honked from them that way. It's not going to be the same as like high-fiving and hugging and, and the things that they're going to want, but I think it helps lessen that stress. And again, it just, it filled my bucket a little bit more than I anticipated and seeing them grow was a wonderful, wonderful piece to doing that. Right, right. I love that. That is, that's great. So we can provide our kids with some ways to connect still and at the same time also making sure they're getting some of those team building um, exercises. I love that you had your daughter read a book to her friend. That is awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Is, thank that you. That is great. Probably was really great for both your daughter and the friend. Yeah. Honestly, oh yeah. My, her mom texted me later and said, oh my goodness, she's still on cloud nine. And oh, it was like a day later. Awesome. So it definitely helped. That is so great. Okay, so Michelle, as both an educator and a parent, what are some practical ways that parents can balance their children's educational needs with their mental health needs during these unique times? Because I know a lot of parents are really stressed about um, getting all the work done that's being sent home and sometimes they forget the mental part of that as well. Yes. And and we're like, we're in what week eight with this kind of thing going on right now. And so I can't stress enough that at this point, if they don't get through all of the schoolwork, and I said this in April to many of my friends, if you don't get through the schoolwork, it's going to be okay. Do what you can. If you want to do reading on Monday, math on Tuesday, writing on Wednesday, just to reduce the stress. Um, you know, and my, I'm in a unique situation that I am an educator and a parent, but I'm doing what a lot of people are doing and I'm working from home. Right. And so it's important that no one is stressed. It, it shouldn't, you know, we're already in a stressful situation at all at, at this point. So you don't want to have to like be so frustrated teaching math for one thing is one thing that I see a lot of breakdown happening, (laughs) including me. And you don't want to, you know, just be crying over trying to get things done or not being motivated. It's just not worth it because we as educators, we can fix the let's for lack of a better term, the damage you think you're doing when you're teaching your students right now, we can fix and reprogram and re, you know, just change everything up academically. Mm -hmm. But what we can't fix is the mental stress that students and trauma that they come back to us with that, that takes time and, um, a lot more effort on the staff part. And for a classroom teacher that may not be that may not have a background in mental health, that will be more damaging. So I'm always like, give that child love, hugs. If you read books all day and you put um, a few stories on YouTube and you go to Khan Academy, then they got their math for the day. Um, There's been research, John Hattie, he is one of the um, 
research researchers that we look at in education, he's the big reason why a lot of schools in the last few years have gone away with homework, for okay. example. Okay. He's had the, the Hattie um, list of things that matter that really affect learning. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he put out in an article to remind us was there was um, some effects of the Christchurch earthquake in 2011. I don't really remember this because I wasn't living in the area at the time, but in 2011, they had earthquakes and it severely disrupted access to the schools. But here's the thing. There was no online learning like we have now. Students were out for about, I think, oh, I don't know. They returned maybe after eight, nine weeks, I believe, after the earthquake. And when they resumed the school, the scores settled back down. And the difference was teachers were tailoring learning to what the students could do, not what they could not do. This, they didn't jump back into, okay, well, you should have finished your third grade year, so let's go to fourth grade curriculum. Right. So to reassure parents, when your kids come back to school, teachers are going to you know, go over some things from the previous year to make sure that they're caught up. So that's the one thing. Right. Um, and, and during these unique times, when you're focusing on the mental health, there's so many resources out there that parents can make sure that they're putting into their children. For example, most public schools have a school counselor. They might be assigned to two or three schools. Sadly, we need more funding for that. But um, I reached out to our school counselor at my, my daughter's school, and I said, do you have any materials that you're putting on Google Classroom that my, my girls can access? And she added my kids to the class. So now when I see that it's been like a stressful Wednesday and I'm exhausted and they're just over it, I'm like, let's go see what, you know, Miss Miss M put on, on there. And she has topics of anger, depression, frustration, like all of these topics that maybe they don't want to talk to parents about because they're mm-hmm. frustrated with us. We are their anger <laughs> right now. <laughs> we are their trigger. They are exploding at us they can watch a little story with her she has a worksheet for them to do and she has a little quiz so that that we're giving so that she's getting feedback from them I love that yes and then you know there's little drama exercises I pulled up Friday I was just done it was week seven um and I was done just like most parents, I'm like, okay, I don't know how long I can balance this work and try to help my language learners and the mm-hmm. teachers and teach my kids. We're done. And then I could tell my kids we're done. So we took Friday and we did an art day. We did art. We painted. We did some drama. I found some you know, drama stuff on YouTube. We did Go Noodle. We just had a fun Friday where they were still being engaged mentally and creatively, but it wasn't sit down at the computer. I mean, it's a lot to sit down at the computer. We don't do that on a normal basis. Yeah. They don't do that normally in school. They don't do that in school. They're not looking at a computer all day. And it's a true fact that there is a zoom fatigue where I I'm zoomed out. If I have to do one more zoom meeting right now, um, (laughs) I'm just tired. I'm more tired than normal. And they're more tired. They have to meet with their classroom. They're looking online at a story. They're doing their math online now. And it's okay if you take a Friday and just bake and learn how to change a tire, um, go find dandelions and just dance in the sun. I love um, that. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, that and those really are just good. practical ways. So, so to balance, we're hearing it's really good to hear an educator say like sometimes just take a day, take a mental health day if it's you know yes. whatever is fun, art or baking or whatever. And um, I love the suggestion to reach out to schools to see if they have any kind of a um, mental health um, an uh, for students to do. I really love that. I love that idea. Yes. So, yeah. Those are very good suggestions. Um, so one other thing before we switch. Um, over to schedules is um, for the parents that are stressed in we're talking about you know how edu- how the educators will be able to help your student when kids go back to school I know a lot of parents are really nervous they don't know uh, when when that will happen will we go back to school in the fall or won't we and what will it look like if we do and I know that you can't answer for the whole state of Utah but can you give us can you give parents any peace in that um, in that worry in that realm of uncertainty? Yes, and that's that's definitely a, a, a question that we all have, and we don't have the answer. And so, Sid Dixon, state superintendent of education, tells us what we're going to do. But the one thing that I do know, there is conversation of. If we don't go back, what will we do? There's conversation of what will this look like um, in the fall for kindergarten registration, for example. You know, there's a few schools talking about we're going to do it virtually this way just in case. And this is what it's going to look like virtually. This is what kindergarten assessments will look like. Because normally around this time, they're going to the school to prepare and, and to take tests. So there's been conversation. And then I've read articles across the nation where there's, there's been talk of, okay, by the fall, we have to try to do something. And what if we divide the class in half and for two days a week, Monday, Tuesday, um, half the class goes to school and then we have a cleaning day on Wednesday and then Thursday, Friday, the other half comes in. So people are looking at creative options. It would be a, a babysitting nightmare right. in that respect. But I know that they're just looking again for that socialization for our, our kids um, to do in those things. So there is discussion and there are plans a b c d right being put out there so so and they're and they and they are it is nice to hear that they're planning for worst case scenario exactly but, but hoping for best case scenario and i know all of the educators that i've spoken to want they want to be able to come back to school in the fall nobody doesn't want that to happen i think everybody's yeah. excited to get back in the classroom and so if there's any possibility if there's any realm, I believe they're going to work to make that happen um, because they understand the stress that, that that it's putting on families and children. And they also understand that the best learning environment for, for these teachers to be able to teach their students is in the classroom. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that everybody's working towards that um, end goal. All right. So, Michelle, as far as schedules go, do you have any advice, you know, keeping in mind that every home is different for small ways that parents can help their children um, with their with their mental health and their own mental health through schedules and routines? Yes, yes. Um, you know, everyone is different. But for me, in order to make this work so that I could work at home as well, I had to stick to some type of uh, bedtime routine. Um, and so the lights stay on with the sun, the kids can play, but then I, I get them to bed by 9, 9.30. 
just so that they can have a decent night of sleep. And my youngest, who's in second grade, she wakes up at seven. So that's very helpful because it gets me up and going. I, it's been nice not to have an alarm. She's been my alarm, which has been good. And so then around 7.38, I get my fifth grader up. And I let them slowly get up and eat breakfast and, and just hang out. And then I get started around nine with their with their homeschooling. And I have found that that has kind of kept us going. I have two older kids there doing their college thing, so they're not on that routine. But for the three of us, right. it's been helpful. Yeah. And and then that way we can get through things. They take And when they take an hour lunch break, I can get some work done, and then I can finish up their homeschool stuff. And we're done. I don't care if we didn't finish certain things at 2 o'clock. We're done with school at 2 o'clock. And you're done at the same time every day. We're, by yes. then at least, yeah. That's, yeah, by at least. And then if they have something that they didn't finish, okay, we'll put it off for tomorrow. Um, and the one thing that I have found, because I'm an educator and my kids are either lucky or cursed, however they look at it, <sighs> if there's been something that's pretty big that needed to get finished before we wrap into the next week, I spend that evening time on Saturday and Sunday to say, okay, let's look at some of your work. I mean, learning is constant in my home anyway. Even during the summer, they have some type of learning activity. So it's not uncommon for us to whip out and do some type of learning activity. So our homeschool experience extends sometimes into Sunday evening and and Saturday um, for 30 to 40 minutes here or there if needed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. And I know that, you know, when they are in school and when they start doing testing in school, um, during a normal period of time, uh, the school is always sending home, you know, like, please try to keep them on a, on a regular bedtime routine and a kind of the regular, um, wake up day. Yeah. Time. Even if it's different for everybody, even if your time is different, just kind of keeping them on the same type of schedule. That's what they say is best for, you know, for testing, exactly. for example. Yeah. And that's just helpful for us as well. Um, just to know what to expect. You know, we know that, okay, around 9, 9.30, um, we're going to get started on this. And if we start past 10, my daughter has said to me, well, we're really late. And I'm like, I know I had a Zoom call. You know, I try to get them started independently, but they're aware of it. And I think that helps me as well. Yeah, I agree. I think at first, the first few weeks, we also start at 9, around 9, <laughs> you know, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the first few weeks it was much harder for me to, I had to definitely be awake and getting my kids awake and, um, and now they kind of, I mean, they, they, they push back like every child does. My kids are, it's perfect, but they, they're used to it a little bit more. And so it's just like, it's just what we do, you know, and it becomes a lot more routine. Exactly. Okay. And that's what kids, you know, that's what anyone, we're creatures of habit. So you know, when I was making my own, when we first had this on March 14th, that March 15th, I started creating a schedule for what our homeschool was going to look like on Monday. And the one thing I stressed, um, and you can go to my Facebook page, which is M Love Day um, Consulting, I might be saying the full name wrong, or and, or my blog, which is Integrating Literacy um, dot blogspot. But what I was saying was don't put times next to what you're going to do because math, if you put math from eight to nine or nine to 10, you're blocking yourself in. Just put that you're going to do math first, science second, writing third, because math could take them 15 minutes that day, but math could also take them an hour and a half that day. Um, And then then you're able to be flexible of, okay, well, we're not going to do science today. We're not going to do art. We're going to cut that out. But you're just putting an order of events, and that is also a helpful 
piece because then they, you know, they know what to expect. And it kind of mirrors what school does, right? Yeah. School's more yes, um, that's what I was time oriented, about. but it'll mirror what the school time is doing. They know after math comes PE, after PE comes lunch. So yeah, that's definitely where I was going with the um, loose expectations. You know, you have some expectations, you have them there, but they're not so rigid that you can't, you know, work outside of them. Exactly. So again, I want to thank Michelle Loveday for joining me today to bring understanding and clarity to some of the stresses revolving around distance learning. As always, I'm here for you if you'd like to reach out or discuss any questions or you have any feedback at all. And I know, Michelle, I'm sure you're happy to help anyone. What is the best way for people to reach you if they have questions about this podcast or questions about distance learning or education? Yeah, they can just go ahead and email me at uh, loveanday at gmail.com. So it's L-O-V-E-N as in Nancy, D-A-Y. Okay, cool. Awesome. So, so glad to have you on this episode, Michelle. And many of you may be thinking, why even discuss these things when the school year is almost done? But one thing that we can accomplish is we can help to finish strong. And another thing I hope this episode does is brings you a sense of calm and certainty to an otherwise uncertain time. Please know and remember that no one is getting it right 100% of the time. We heard Michelle discuss some of her frustrations and limitations with distance learning, and she's an educator and has been for years. And I'm certainly working on taking my own advice here as well. Just today, I had one of my children in tears over distance learning, and I thought about the advice Michelle shared and I reached out to the school to hopefully find some help. Remember to be patient with yourself. Remember to be patient with your children and those around you. And to end the episode today, I thought since most schools in Utah are celebrating Teacher Appreciation Week, I'd like to celebrate you all. Here's my virtual high five and great big hug for all of you parent educators doing what you do best, loving your kids.